Whoever slipped that note under our door must have been caught on Thanks for volunteering, third. 29 hours of videotape. Knock yourself out. Focus, people. It's gotta mean something. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the IWMP, the Intermillennium Media Project. My name's Ian Porter. And I'm Matthew Porter. He's my dad, I'm his son, and I have taken control once more. The millennial strikes back. Yes. But I, I had to. I had to, because last time we wound up talking about the streets of San Francisco. And I'd, I'd seen a show... I'd love to show that takes so much reference off of that series. I would not have had better time to talk about it because this is the most wild kids version of a show I've ever seen because it actually doesn't dumb down as much as you'd expect for a kid's version of a show. This is the rarely thought of thing from Disney. Uh, back in the 2002 to 2004 era, the show Fillmore. That's Fillmore with an exclamation point. With an exclamation point. (sighs) A while ago, we did an episode on The Weekenders. I found Fillmore around the same time I did The Weekenders. Because they were actually usually paired up. Yeah, I associate them together in that same way. Yeah. And if the Weekenders kind of did a... Like a slice of life, a... You know, the lives of our four protagonists, almost friends-like thing at times. Yeah, slice of life sitcom kind of thing. Yeah. Fillmore is 100% pure, uncut police procedural. And not just any police procedural. No, this is a Quinn Martin production somehow. It is a loving tribute to the Quinn Martin Productions formula for police procedural mystery TV shows. It has the title sequence where every character gets their action shot and a cut in with a stylized presentation of their name. It has all of the dramatic scene setting and, uh, you know, panning shots of where this section of what's going on takes place it's even got the episode titles and the act break titles at when it comes back from commercials and those titles are all read by don lafontaine (laughs) and now fillmore today's episode of slain kings on checkered fields act one a bishop gone rogue it's just such a perfect setup, and it gets it is so much more powerful because it plays it absolutely straight. There is never an acknowledgement that this is in any way odd or surreal or goofy. No acknowledgement this is a a kids show. It is just played absolutely straight as a police procedural. This is the the stories and the the cases of Fillmore and his partner Ingrid Third. Uh, members of the safety patrol. <laughs> and the safety patrol, I mean, it's, it's, it is a culture of its own here at, uh, at uh, X Middle School, X, where they attend. X Middle School, the largest middle school in all of TV. And I'm putting that with a period because I am certain nothing can beat this. I do want to see somebody compare this to Clamp Academy. Oh, okay. Yeah, if I expand it to anime and video games, X Middle School has a little bit of a competition with Clamp Academy or Hope's Peak Academy from Danganronpa in terms of (laughs) sheer wildness of expanse and variety of activities. But still, this is the this is a middle school that has its own convention center that gives out news reports for the difference in weather between uh, the bocce ball field and the athletics court. <laughs> this is 
I mean, there is there is entire giant workshops for every single class. It is. It apparently takes enough time to cross campus that you need to use a golf cart, and it is const- still like a a long travel, like driving across the city. And it frees up the writers to put in whatever they need, and it's believable in the context of this bizarre school. They need a a glass blowing class. They've got it. They need a Cockney club. They have it. I presume Cockney is one of the languages taught at X Middle School. I'm guessing you need a mainframe building that is large, expansive, and strangely giant tower computers big enough it feels like something out of the prisoner we have it <laughs> i kept thinking colossus the forbin project <laughs> i'm abso- absolutely and because this is a middle school that is acting like a city it has all the problems the city might have for our safety patrol officers to deal with but scaled to being a middle school when you have a kidnapping case, it's about someone having stolen a Tamagotchi pet <laughs> and sending a ransom note. You need a foreign dignitary. There's a transfer student from Canada who's there, and there's a baseball card uh, uh, for- forger in the town as well. It's also a problem. Yeah, you, you need an like international this. counterfeit ring. Yeah, it involves exactly. a Canadian student and baseball cards. Exactly. It's And when you introduced me to this show back when you were watching it when it was on Disney, I was just astonished and amazed by its portrayal of the safety patrol. Uh, because the safety patrol um at X Middle School, the safety patrol is their full-fledged police force with detectives investigating crimes and things. And I kind of appreciated that because, Ian, I don't know if I ever told you this, but I was on the job for a while. Oh, goodness. In my, uh, in my parochial school in 7th and 8th grade, I was on the safety patrol. And in 8th grade, I was captain of the safety patrol. Oh my goodness. We didn't get to wear the, the, by the time I was doing it, we didn't use the Sam Brown belts. We didn't have the big sashes, but we did have badges. And mine had a different color in the middle because I was captain with the triple A logo because the safety patrols in a lot of schools were sponsored by the American Automobile Association. And that's because what we did as the safety patrol was we would have a couple of people at each corner, the school. Uh, itself took up a block at each corner, each place where kids would be crossing. A couple of safety patrol members to make sure kids waited for the walk signal and the light before they crossed the street. It's not even as if we had the authority to hold up stop signs or anything. And as captain of the safety patrol, I got to walk around to make sure that there was, were no problems, make sure that the safety patrol people who were supposed to be were, there were there, and essentially spend 20 minutes wandering around chatting with my friends after school each day. We did not get to investigate crimes, but I'm thinking we should have. You mean you did not get individualized desks and have to do paperwork after each case like <laughs> Fillmore or Ingrid did? Yes, they have to they have to do the paperwork. They have to follow procedures, of course, when they're investigating. They have to they have to answer to Junior Commissioner Vallejo. Yeah, who who is there trying to cut down on his cocoa intake? The entire time and getting stressed out. I'll watch the Coco. You worry about the case. You hit the Fillmore and Ingrid's co-workers are there taking crime scene photos and doing full forensic analysis as to what kind of marker was used to graffiti bathroom stalls. <laughs> like, yeah. literally, we see her sh- We see her chipping off paint flecks and examining them with a microscope <laughs> later. I'm like... What? And they're you know, like, right, they're doing hair and fiber analyses and, and all of this. Oh, yeah. And uh, and but of course, Junior Commissioner Vallejo also has to answer to Principal Folsom. Who is the equivalent of the the mayor of this city. So it's the, the detectives who have to deal with their chief of detectives or their commissioner who has to deal with the politicians. Exactly. So it's even beyond the investigations. They're showing you the structure and all of the obstacles that our investigators might have to deal with in the course of following procedures and 
solving crimes. And and the the safety patrol building is being used as an annex for various other clubs sometimes. So apparently budget's not always excellent. So. <laughs> yeah, for most of the series it's the it's the safety patrol office and glee club annex. <laughs> But everything is played 100% straight. Just one clip of this show will show you just how wild it is. And I kind of want to dig into these characters and this setting a little bit more. Because they go deep with not just the world of X-Middle School, but the people in it. Bill Moore is a former uh, bad boy turned safety patroller because he was given a chance he's like they show in the opening his file every time and he's got like milk forgery <laughs> and I'm talk sure. backery listed as his like <laughs> cases and like offenses and meanwhile ingrid is here this new girl who was like almost accused of a terrorist stink bombing in her first week and then has, like, turned around as, like, the smartest kid in the school, joined the safety patrol for the challenge and for the camaraderie and the, the interest of it. So these two partners, it's like he's got the street smarts and knows how to deal with the bureaucracy a little bit when it comes to the safety patrol. And she is the has the insight and the intelligence and is very quick to put detailed clues together. They make a great team. And Orlando Brown is able to read Fillmore with some very wild, like, phrases and exclamations he uses that give him this personality and this, like, hard edge persona. You played me for a sucker, Penny. I'm not going out like that. Not for you. Not anymore. Be at HQ first thing in the morning. Don't make me come get you. Meanwhile, Tara Strong is playing Ingrid with this almost Daria-like smirk to things. And like, she's she's a little too clever and she's figured this out. And she's just, she's the one person who seems slightly bewildered by X at times. Yeah, even, even through two seasons of the show, she is our surrogate to some extent, because as as much as she becomes part of their city, she's still the most recent arrival and the person who sometimes needs things explained or just needs to express her bewilderment at something. And the rest of the cast all have depth like this as well. I mean, there's a whole lot of, you know, constant, I used to have a partner, or I used to know someone else from Vallejo, which gives him, despite being like, I don't even know if X is a three-year middle school. I think, like, everything he ever has a problem with happened last year for him. <laughs> well, you know, the difference between uh, your first year of middle school and your last year of middle school, that's a long time, and a lot can happens to a person in that period of time. Oh, yeah, but he went through, like, three partners, all with <laughs> tragic stories that all come back to haunt him in three different episodes. And and even the extra characters like Danny O'Farrell, uh, the crime scene photographer, who is just honestly the the butt of a lot of the jokes. Yeah, but, he he's the kind of the the goofy, clumsy guy who, when they need something strange or slapstick, they go to him. But they give him moments of pure eagerness, being actually clever, and a couple of instances where he's like the one who gets something right or does something. And that's played as an unexpected, but they even give him moments. Poise, unflappability, and poise. Who doesn't need that? And this is a show that only has like 26 episodes of 22 minutes each. There is not a lot of actual Fillmore compared to some of the shows we've covered, but my goodness, they pack a lot of character and story into every single one. And even the characters that are for one episode, they go deep. When you have episodes where an international chess, like there's chess tournaments that are like international sports leagues and corruption. There's episodes involving entire 
um, like people who have been erased from the school computer system and a missing persons case. I'm trying to think of some of my favorites to reference it. If you can think of any that you want to bring up, Dad. There is uh, one that involves, I believe it's, is it scooter or skateboard theft? Uh, mostly bicycle, but there is oh. scooters as well. But it is, it is very much a parody of Gone in 60 Seconds. All oh, no, about no, no. This, oh, you're right. It is scooter theft. It's all about this. Um, there, there's a gang going around stealing scooters and we need surveillance and undercover people to try to figure out what's going on. <laughs> and, and the ti- and to give you an example of the titles of this, that one is two wheels, full throttle, no brakes. <laughs> or you've got a, you've got a, uh, an episode that is about the, uh, about bribery, intimidation, match fixing, and point shaving, because there is corruption inside professional mini golf at X Middle School, <laughs> and the title of this episode of a kids' cartoon is called "The Nineteenth Hole Is a Shallow Grave," <laughs> and I'm like, "What in the world?" The first episode of the series. <laughs> oh yes, to mar a stall. It's X Middle School has gotten this the brand new bathrooms with new stainless steel stalls and like a uh, a, a wall sized stained glass window of their mascot who is a lobster. Yes, and these beautiful high tech bathrooms, and someone even before they were unveiled got in and graffitied all of the stalls, and to solve this. <laughs> They they have the I think you mentioned the the forensic analysis of the permanent marker that was being used, but they also need to get the insight of a student who wa- was the worst graffiti artist, the worst graffitiist in the school, and who's now in permanent detention. And Ian, have you seen Silence of the Lambs or read any any of those uh, Harris books? No, but I knew it when I saw it. <laughs> The, the just even the way they say Randall Julian all throughout the episode doing his full name and he is there in a orange school jumpsuit in a pure white room getting his classes piped to him by closed circuit television they are going all the way and so when your first episode is opening with that parody <laughs> but it's not a comedy parody it is Actually, it, it's lo- it's not parody. It's loving tribute. Yes, it is played straight. And I, what, one of my favorite parts of that is when Fillmore and Third are going in to talk to this prisoner on in uh, in permanent detention. They have to check in with the security person who's kind of minding the facility, and they have to turn over. Anything that might possibly be used to write or draw or make a mark, any pens, pencils, markers, eyeliners, lipsticks, uh, and when they think this is excessive, the, the the chief guard is saying, you know, the maintenance person went in and had a miniature golf pencil in his back pocket, and Randall Julian was able to do this and holds up the picture. We never get to see what's in the picture, but we see the horrified but reaction, the horror. Of on third's face is like it it it, it is as if he's showing them scene, crime scene photos from a grisly murder i am and we actually get some episodes that leave x middle school in this show that's right they go out into the town and the town is a little bit weird in the same way it's almost like x is a concentration but the world they live in everything is turned up to 11 all the contrast of existence is just brought up. The art museum is just as wild. The ballet class you have to go check someone you went to is this much extra. There's a business in this town, the egg rollery. Why isn't that a real thing? I Why can't this. we go to the egg rollery for lunch tomorrow? These are... Ca- exactly there's an entire hot cocoa com- uh, place that they go to, or they reference at least <laughs> one episode, if not more than one, that is kind of like when the safety patrollers are ending their day at school and 
Like they're going to go to the bar. It's going to this yeah. hot co- cocoa it's, place. It's kind of the cop bar in town. Exactly. <laughs> we see a bookstore that is decorated to the nines and is apparently able to survive selling nothing but the horror genre. <laughs> it's like, well, the, I I actually, do know that, of places that, like that. You know what? That 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 one doesn't actually stray that far. <laughs> it is interesting to try to figure out where this takes place because X is. So expansive and generic, I do appreciate seeing that apparently there is residential housing near the front entrance of X Middle School, which also kind of implies that all of X Middle School somehow fits into a city planning construction, but that's a whole <laughs> separate thing. The lobster and the like the direction that you are said to be going if you leave for Tennessee as a transfer student and things like that. You can kind of get an idea of where you are, but... I think it is New England. I think it is. Because of the lobster, because they have seasons, including a lot of snow, which figures into some of the episodes. And you're right, he's, his friend moved south to Tennessee. Um, so that's my feeling is it's somewhere in New England, Connecticut, or, uh, or Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. But it should be noted that every single character is named in one way or another for a street in San Francisco. Just in case you had any doubt about the Quinn Martin connection here. Oh, yeah. The characters are all literally the streets of San Francisco. There's Fillmore, Third, Vallejo, uh, Folsom. Every, all of the main recurring characters are named like that. It is amazing. <laughs> But there's just such something about this show that I want to go. I I kind of don't want to go into any episode because I never want to give away the mysteries. They actually do a really good job with the mysteries. They do. They do. This is the next point to talk about. These, the stories they're doing are these loving tributes to these different types of things. But there's never one where I think you cannot solve it with our characters. It does a very good job of every single character will be present, like, the situation is presented. Clues might not be given out as something you can notice before the characters pick them up. But you'll get it there. And you'll have met all of the potential suspects, and you're there solving it with them. It is fair play police procedural in that way. Exactly. And... Because it takes everything about its world seriously, there is, when, when it gives you a piece of evidence, that piece of evidence is legitimate. They'll have fun and they'll throw in the more wild things of ex-middle school, like whatever club they're crashing through or what gets <laughs> in the way when they're doing a chase scene. But if it pertains to the case, it'll stick to solvable logic. If someone says something, it's written that way because that could be important information. It's never it, throwaway lines are never main character or a character associated with the the crime in question. Those they, those are important. Those are well written and clear, and it's internally consistent. Which is so important. That's and that's one of the things that makes it seem real. One of the things that makes it seem like they're playing it totally straight is that as weird as things are, they are consistent and they have their own logic. When uh, in one episode, if they reference a place, that might that place might show up in another episode. Even though X is so expansive, it will have whatever they ever need. If it's there, it's there, and it might show up again. Characters who were witnesses in one episode might show up as background character designs in another because they're still a student. And that means that if you're watching more of it, you'll wind up catching those characters and being, oh, hey, this is like that. And they're like that internal consistency keeps it keeps it together. It can always expand, but it never erases what it made. I get the impression that somebody, maybe the creator and producer, was keeping a careful list or map of X Middle School and filling it in. I don't think they have had everything planned. It has the feel of something where they invent something when they need it. But I think they're filling in a map as they go through the course of writing and producing these two seasons so that 
they they are consistent and they are filling in all of those gaps. Mm-hmm. And this show might have had only two seasons of, I think, 13 episodes. No, yeah, about 13 episodes apiece. But the opening titles have scenes from both seasons. And that opening title sequence, which has a really, really good song. At least the section of the song they use is really, really good. It is. That opening title sequence is consistent across the series. Its two seasons are actually... There's not too much differentiation between them in that sense. I do think maybe they produced them as a single season and split them up for distribution. I think they did. And that means that the show will always return to square one. There is a couple episodes where you can figure out an order. There's an uh, there's a flashback episode about how Fillmore, Cornelius Fillmore and Ingrid Third met, which has to be the first thing in the timeline. And there is an episode where Fillmore goes to visit his old partner, which has to be sometime later. But everything else is kind of flexible. Yeah, well, I guess so. There aren't too many things where the consequences of one story drives another story. Yeah. They might be consistent with what they show about the school, but when you learn a particular detail about the school isn't necessarily important. Exactly. And that, too, makes it very much like a 70s police show. It doesn't have... It has continuity, but it doesn't have too much story continuity. You can watch whatever episode's on tonight and not feel like you missed something because it's in the middle of summer reruns or because you missed last week. Yeah. In kids' cartoons, when this was coming out, it had not gotten into the serialization that a lot of media has now. But this is leaning in on the strength of that procedural style that we talked about in... Things like our Streets of San Francisco episode, where it's not expecting you to have to know that, and so each gets self-contained, but it's doing so in a tighter little block of time, which means that it's not going to get too complex, but you also know our, our protagonists will succeed in the end, no matter what. Yeah, and that that's pretty standard for police procedurals of the kind that this is. Uh, is is modeled after that eventually justice will prevail mm-hmm. the police will get their man doesn't always mean someone's going to well i was going to say jail but in this case detention mm. but but it means there will be a resolution exactly and this show doesn't even i mean it might be a procedural that is showing these characters as our heroes and such but it doesn't even shy away from the issues and problems within there's episodes about a safety patrol corruption issue at a, at a different school, honestly, not X, but still, it shows the problems with that. It's Fillmore is constantly getting berated for the amount of property damage <laughs> his reckless style causes. And that is a running theme and joke, but it's also really valid when you see how much stuff gets broken <laughs> in an episode of Fillmore. They have a lot of fun with the the weird environments full of unique, fragile things that action scenes bring him to. But in terms of how they function in the story and the consequences that Vallejo has to deal with because of it, they're played straight. Oh, yeah. It, it, this is, this is a, a show in which a chase scene can happen through one of the supply warehouses. <laughs> supply warehouses for this school. <laughs> And an industrial vat, or industrial box of rubber cement is cut to create a trap where industrial rubber bands and and spare uh, rolling desk chairs are turned into a high-speed car chase <laughs> with, with a fight that is very much mimicking a fight out the window. It is, it is that sort of thing. It's like, this is all done properly but also my goodness how much stuff is here and this is a school that they don't just have a croquet club and some croquet equipment that they can set up in one of the playing fields they have a dedicated croquet field with dedicated storage facilities for all of the croquet supplies including spare wickets and anything else they might need to put on a sign 
Oh yeah, the number the number of of uh, of items toppled on top of Cornelius Fillmore to stop him <laughs> in a foot chase is a list I should make at some point. I can off the top of my head I can think of the wickets, I can think of uh I think a box of uh of cleaning rags for glass figurines. Uh I can think of uh an entire stack of uh of chairs that was toppled onto him by a mime. There's all sorts of stuff. And without being too obvious, there are some occasions where you can see it acknowledging that it is a cartoon. Mm-hmm. As with most cartoons, you want characters to be recognizable. So all of our main characters essentially, or precisely, dress the same way in every episode. Yes. You Vallejo's always in a, a shirt and tie and working in his office. Third is always in a black dress and boots. Principal Folsom is always in a blue suit and blue high-heeled pumps. And there's an episode in which a chase leads to the closet in her office, and it's an enormous closet filled with blue suits, identical blue suits and high-heeled pumps. <laughs> Three racks of them and an emergency exit <laughs> in the back. It, 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 that is where it's like, we acknowledge this, and we will keep turning it up to 11 and play it straight. And I love that. I'm trying to think of other episodes i can reference without without spoiling the the this the actual case i almost feel like i need to pick a sacrificial episode well i i think we can mention without spoiling the fact that it occasionally goes a little bit beyond the classic police procedural kind of the way we observed the streets of san francisco occasionally expanded upon that in that there's one episode, I think it's called A Cold Day at X. Yes. And it's kind of as much a diehard situation as it is a police procedural. Oh, it has it has Cornelius Fillmore crawl through air vents absolute <laughs> diehard style because he decides to do a stakeout to prevent thieves from stealing test answers during a blizzard. <laughs> and, and that has this message about how teachers this is one of the few times we really see a teacher as a major character in a story and how she feels about students and about trust and that's an interesting one and they they expand upon that procedural formula for for good reason and to good effect Mm -hmm. and that's another thing teachers and parents are not enemies in this show principal Folsom is a a high-strung nervous lady and she's the possible only antagonisty character but she's just frustrated with what's happening most of the time most of the teachers and and shop class people and such are witnesses are references who can be like referred to or talked to as information or verifying someone's alibi but the drama and the issues are always internal between kids yeah the this the Teachers and coaches and things, they are never brought in for questioning back at headquarters, at the way students sometimes are. But they will be interviewed by our detectives in the field and apparently are very happy to assist the safety patrol with their investigations. It does in some ways imply that a little bit of the the wild exuberance you might be seeing in Fillmore of ex-middle school and its environments could be a bit of perspective of our characters. The drama and seriousness might be because this is what they know. Oh, I, I think you're right. But that also kind of makes it more heartfelt because it's like, this, this is this important to them and they're putting in this much effort. <laughs> this for them is just as big as the things that are, as the shows that this is referencing take what they're talking about when you're in middle school the dynamics and events among your fellow middle you and your fellow middle schoolers those are the biggest most real things in the world and they seem really important this is your city this is your community and what happens is important betrayals of trust and uh, uh nefarious activity those are serious threats to this community. So that yeah, that's 
that's a good point that it's from the perspective of a middle schooler, anything that could happen to disrupt that community in a middle school seems like a serious crime. So this is a show that treats those as serious crimes investigated by a uh, an organization set up to do so. A, a tight knit group of of Girl Scout replacement kind of character group with a very pushy sales tactic and not letting anyone else sell anything else in their cookie territory <laughs> becomes a drug cartel that needs to be infiltrated with an undercover operation. <laughs> the infighting between, uh, not the infighting, but the fighting between the fan club for the Vampirita series of novels and the series of novels, of, uh, you know, Vampirita, Vampire Astronaut. And the fan club for <laughs> Citizen Fang Werewolf Senator books, the fight between those becomes an actual severe, almost you know, political or organizational rivalry with sabotage. Yeah, you can almost see them as rival, politically radicalized religious sects. Yeah, it's like for like when you're watching the show. You are at that level. A lot of shows that are set with kid characters, even if it's targeted towards kids, are not able to bring all of the audience onto the same page. They either talk to a level that will expect this or go so wild that it's it's pulling everything outside of it. This one is like, no, everyone is with you. <laughs> It'll take itself so seriously that you're with it on what it's talking about. And it's it's certainly worth mentioning the fact that this show was created by Scott M. Gimple, who, after Fillmore, he was also story editor for the second season of a series called Life, which I think is an amazingly good and terribly underrated police procedural set in Los Angeles starring Damian Lewis and Sarah Shahi. And uh, I, that was one of the best shows of its decade, I think. But he's probably better known for a show called The Walking Dead. Yeah, he, he, he was, was showrunner uh, of that for like four seasons. Right, he did various producing jobs. Eventually, he was showrunner. It's a bunch of writing credits. So yeah, he uh, he knows something about writing about communities under strange circumstances or or of, of strange types. Yeah, there he is. He has proven himself elsewhere that you might have seen as an you know listener. You might have seen his stuff elsewhere, so you've got an idea of just when he's putting in like the heart and soul to to pull you into a show. He's doing that here. This is one <laughs> of the early ones he did that on. So I'm. This is why I wanted to share why it's like we had this opportunity. I had to strike. I, I caught the weekenders one day as like a rerun and I was just bewildered and I came back. I feel like it was like not the same day. I feel like I came back a day or so later and watched another episode of that. And then it went into this other show and this blaring horn opening and like, and I was just transfixed and I, stayed with and have watched every episode more than once i think i'm i mean i've been giving away my final results for a while now but that also tells you plenty and you introduced your mom and me to this and we were watching it and realizing you know that's don lafontaine doing that voice oh yeah they got don lafontaine to do that and they've got the acts like quinn martin and then after a while we realized wait a minute these character names they are all streets in san francisco <laughs> somebody really likes 70s cop shows when we were starting to watch some of the shows that you wanted to show me that we're going that became us doing this podcast later, you were telling me this is the stuff Fillmore was referencing. <laughs> yep. This is one of the shows that on my end got me here sitting in front of the microphone with you <laughs> because this got proved to me early what those shows were going to be about so that I was ready to sit down and watch them with you so that then we could do this. And it shows you that with smart, creative people like the people behind this show, 
everything they build has some reference to the culture it exists in, sometimes more obvious and direct, sometimes less. But police shows today are going to reference and are going to acknowledge the existence of all those Quinn Martin shows. And this just makes that so tangible. That's part of the fun. Oh, yeah. I think we can kind of lead into our our final discussions here. I guess so. I think it's going to be a mystery as to uh, what what listeners are going to think our verdicts are. Oh, yeah. So I want to know your opinion on Fillmore, Dad. Is this a... It's a TV show, so is this a binge or no binge? This is absolutely binge. This is absolutely no binge. No question. This isn't even a background binge. Fillmore is too engaging to leave running in the background and not watch. This is a, at every couple of years I need to watch through the whole thing. Oh, yeah. Just just long enough for me to forget a few of the jokes and appreciate them again. I, I've caught myself, like, forgetting who the the culprit is and going <laughs> oh wait and uh, that's a good mystery they throw in enough red herrings and enough twists that it's not obvious even if you've seen it before oh yeah in recommending this as a binge though there is the, a complication there because it's it's hard to come by this series that is what we got to talk about as a a little aside here fillmore was produced by disney but it is stuck in some sort of limbo Disney re-ran it, I think, in 2019 last it's been seen, but they haven't talked about it, touched it, referenced it, or aired it anywhere since. And there's no availability of it on Disney+. Plus. There's never been a DVD release of this. I don't think there's been a VHS release of this. Fillmore has existed purely on broadcast and is no longer found anywhere. If you're interested... Keep an eye on the—is Disney XD still a thing? Some places. Keep an eye on whatever cable TV channels Disney still operates, because occasionally it will surprisingly show up for at least a brief run on one of those channels. I think it it was on one of those Disney cable channels a couple of years ago, came and went without any fanfare or warning— to our Canadian listeners, apparently it pops up there every once in a while more because I believe it has some interactions with some Canadian production companies that helped make it with Disney, which means it might be easier to find there. But for American listeners or elsewhere, that's harder to do. So yeah, keep an eye on on Disney outlets. There's always the chance that someday people will come to their senses and it will show up on Disney+. Plus. If, if there's enough of a trend of mentions of it on twitter and such that might be able to shake disney a little there you go call to action call to action let disney know we want fillmore on disney plus and uh and in the meantime if you've got places you look for defunct tv shows take a look oh yeah the people who have seen this seem to like it enough to be able to find ways to pass it around when they can so i've i've seen it in places more than once and it'll it'll show up and disappear and this is such a please let me give you my money situation. I will buy a deluxe Blu-ray set of this as soon as you make it available. Oh, yeah. I'm just here thinking about the fact that it would absolutely be a Fillmore episode kind of story for some <laughs> kid to have burned copies of a TV show that doesn't have a DVD release that he's selling on the side. And there'd be this whole like black market bust set. Uh, episode story that would be exactly in line with that show in world that would be ideal and it's not just the tv show and it's like please take my money in in walt disney world um hollywood studios is my favorite park in walt disney world and they have little sections like there's a little muppets section and things like that i would i desperately want a little section of Hollywood studios to be X middle school or something to do with that, or just put some of this stuff in their gift shops at Hollywood studios. I so want a, the junior commissioner Vallejo's support the sash, uh, coffee mug or cocoa mug in his case. Absolutely. I want that too. I want an X middle school jacket with Lobsty the Lobster on it, I would absolutely wear that and get questioned as to what in the world it's from. Absolutely. 
I I never expected Disney to leave money on the table like that. <laughs> Print on demand technology. We are loud and we're here. Come on. <laughs> take my money. Yep. I want that mug. I want that mug. <laughs> and the jacket. Lobsty was Lobsty? Is the lobster, but their their lobster um mascot for the school is a uh an important factor in some episodes. And I, I love the stained glass window in the very first episode. Yep. Lobsty the Lobster. <laughs> uh, who is notable for having been uh, uh, kidnapped and uh, threatened to be assassinated in episode four. Cry, the beloved mascot. <laughs> but this leads into our second question. Which is, for any TV show, it's... You know, we know the situation that it's in of this limbo with Disney and such. But for all we know, they could it could become super popular again, and they they look at doing stuff. Revive, reboot, or rest in peace. I I I would be happy enough with rest in peace, especially if I could get this uh, this on Blu-ray. But I'd be interested in seeing a revival. Oh yeah. It would be interesting to see a return to X Middle School 20 years later, however long it's been. And I could see things like Cornelius Fillmore is now a teacher at X Middle School and is faculty advisor to the safety patrol. And maybe Ingrid Third is principal. Who knows? Oh, that'd be and interesting. They, and, and, they are presences at the school, but we're seeing what X Middle School is today, with the world being so different, and we are seeing what the safety patrol has to deal with today, the world being so different. I could definitely see that. I can. I like that idea. I definitely wish I had more X Middle School as a world, and the fact that you can't keep the characters where they are. It's been too long, and... It's nice to see that they've they get to grow up and go on. We don't often talk about revivals in other media. Occasionally we do. This would be a terrific campaign setting. Yes. For an RPG, I would use Tristat, maybe a modified version of uh, Big Eyes Small Mouth or just Tristat in general. And you could have so much fun setting up adventures and having the characters be uh, your safety patrol investigators. Absolutely. I admit I came into this thinking I was going to say rest in peace, but with the caveat that I need someone else to make it or I need to wind up with the time to finally make a Savage Worlds book about ex-middle school so that I can <laughs> give people things I can have, you know, spend you know, have my have my players say, well, I'm a member of this club and it's there and I just give them opportunities based on whatever club you can imagine. <laughs> yes, you're in it. You've got those connections. Like, I want to just I just want to dive into X middle school in a tabletop game. I've been thinking that exact same thing. And your idea of a story around bootleg copies of a lost TV series that has never gotten an official release, that would be an ideal story either for a uh, an RPG or for a revived Fillmore episode. Oh, absolutely. But I I'm I'm like I can I can definitely like the revival idea because definitely X Middle School in the era of cell phones is a wild difference. <laughs> but I just I want more of that in some form and the tabletop seems like a perfect angle. Yep. Well, I think that might be might be wrapping up for our episode, but I'm glad I got to share this. I glad I'm glad I got to talk about Fillmore because I, I'm going to state it again. This is a binge show. If you have not seen this, go see if you can find a bit of it. It is if you've liked the other you know mystery and procedural stuff we have watched on this show on this podcast. This will absolutely appeal to you, even if you have no connection to it, not a cartoon fan or such. This is just fun. And I think the fact that you enjoyed this show so much when you were younger resulted in you be ver being very open 
to some of the things that I showed you, like Streets of San Francisco and Remington Steel and Moonlighting and, and those detective shows, police procedural shows, sometimes mystery shows with a bit of humor. I think that Fillmore paved the way for those kind of stories. Absolutely. This helped pave the way for those to be something I appreciate in this sense. This got me hooked. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you took over the podcast for this episode. Yay! I take it you've got something for when we go when we come back in a little bit. I do. Yeah, it's going to be a new month, a new theme. Ooh. Uh, so we'll be back in a couple of weeks with more tales of media from well, we'll back to media from the 20th century. And uh, in the meantime, Ian, where can people find you? I can be found on Twitter as Item Crafting, on Twitch as Item Crafting Live, on YouTube as Item Crafting, and at itemcrafting.com. And you can find me most places at By Matthew Porter. So on Twitter as By Matthew Porter, you can go to bymatthewporter.com, and then you'll find links to YouTube and wherever else I'm doing things. You can find the podcast itself here at uh, immproject.com. At IMMPCast on Twitter. And, you know, on the website or on Twitter, you can message us. You know, tell us if you had a favorite episode or if you're able to find Fillmore somewhere. Tell us if you've run a, a campaign or a story in X Middle School of your own. Uh, you can also go there and Disney might not sell you merch from this, but we've got T-shirts and mugs available on our on the link from our website where you can buy uh, Kosho T-shirts or uh, IMMP logo mugs. and. Personally, I still love our Who Cares About Phobos shirt. And you'll also find their link to our Discord. You'll find a link to our Patreon. Thanks very much for anybody who can support us there. And supporters in the movie club level also get a surprise DVD every few months. Absolutely. Movie club level is definitely awesome. And of course, you can find all of our back episodes on uh, immproject.com as well. So if you want to see our episodes about the streets of San Francisco or Revington Steel, or Moonlighting, or any of these mystery TV shows that I was able to introduce Ian to after he enjoyed Fillmore. Yeah, Fillmore will wet your whistle to watch more of those too, so having our those other episodes close to hand will be nice. Well, I think that wraps it up for today, in this episode of the IWMP Podcast. And in the meantime, find something old to watch.